You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Bezras Hashem, tonight we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on the first Mishnah in Brachos, titled Nighttime of the World, in an attempt to uncover the panemius of Tarish Peh, at least in accordance with the way that we're learning this particular Mishnah at this moment. The beautiful thing about Mishnah is that it's the same osios as Nishima, as breath, without the Yod or with the Yod. And just as the Arizal tells us that breath changes every moment and that each moment has the own permutation of the Shem Havaya, as well as its own inhalation and exhalation, so too every time a person learns a Mishnah again, Mishnah implies a need to double oneself down and redouble oneself down to look again at the Mishnah, to return back to it once, twice, three times, to Ritzifus, that the Mishnah offers itself up in new ways each and every time. So each and every moment offers itself up to a new Peshat in the Mishnah, to a new way of understanding the panemius of the Mishnah. And what we're up to, Be'ezra Hashem, is we're up to the statement in Chazal, in the first Mishnah of Mesachas Brachos, where we've already asked the original question. The original question is, At what point? Are we capable? What needs to be done in order for us to uncover the secret of unity, the secret of the upper unity or the lower unity within the confines and the constrictions of nocturnal reality? No longer questioning how we find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the daytime, in the, the sunlight of the mind, as Torah Shebechsav is associated with, but rather ultimately asking the question of the reflection of the moon in the darkness and the descent away from clarity the descent into the confusion of Tarish Peh, what needs to be done in order to uncover the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Me'emasai karin eshma ba'arvis. And we already said that me'emasai also implies the existential dread that emerges within the soul as it finds itself cast down into exile, cast down into the servitude of the nighttime. And it's specifically that motivation that emerges from within the self, the fear of an individual when they contemplate existence devoid of the capacity of relying on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a person is filled, filled with such dread, such fear, that they're naturally propelled into the need to proclaim the faith of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to acknowledge the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu specifically within the darkness. And after introducing ourselves to the concept of Tarsh Peh and the concept of fear that is associated with Tarsh Peh and the need to cry out Kriyat Shema, and that need to awaken ourselves to our own most voice of Kriya Shema, we saw that that the beginning of the entrance into Kriya Shema of Arvis is from the moment that the Kohanim enter in to partake of their Truma. And we spoke about how the prerequisite towards uncovering the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world 
which is Doimelalailo, which is compared to the nighttime because of the confusion and the bilbulim and the six sides of up and down, right and left, backwards and forwards that comprise this worldly experience, those Heichalei Hatsumuros, those chambers of changes, we said that the prerequisite is attention, is mindfulness, is kavana, is the recognition that those empty behaviors in front of me in truth carry the secrets of transcendence. That by looking at physical reality, by partaking in food, the most physical of all acts, a person does not need to find themselves sunken into the depths of despair, but rather a person has the capacity of elevating those experiences, of transforming the Achila Satruma, the Achila of the Kohanim, which, as the Ramchal told us in the 26th chapter of Mesil Sisharim, is the revelation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could be found in anything and everything. So the entry point into the capacity of being makabel, Omal Hashemayim, of recognizing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in our lives, specifically in the darkness, is dependent and contingent upon the attention, the prayer of the mind, the willingness of the individual to be Moser Nefesh, to sacrifice the natural tendency to be mindless and to focus for but a moment on the moment in front of us. That was the question of the beginning. That is the entryway in towards Kabbalah Salmal Chishamayim, specifically at nighttime. And now the Mishnah is going to continue. And the Mishnah is no longer asking the question of origin or beginning, but now the Mishnah is going to be asking the questions of limits and endings. Ad Soifa Ashmura Harishona Divrei Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer ben Harkonos, Rabbi Eliezer Hagodol, is the first Shita in the Mishnah. And he announces very quickly that yes, Kriyat Shema Shal Aravis begins with the capacity of the individual to pay attention, to live a mindful life of sacred experience, of transforming that which appears to be banal and gray and elevating it to this place of sacred illumination. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer ben Herkinus comes along and says, but there's a limit. The question at this point, what we're going to be looking at in the Mishnah, is a question of endings. In the world of Torah Shebuchsav, the world of Torah Shebuchsav begins with Bereshis, like we said, in the beginning. The entirety of Torah Shebuchsav is renewal and novelty. Each and every Pasuk comes along to teach something that has never been taught before. And each and every Pasuk provides a certain sense of essentiality that without this Pasuk, the entirety of the Torah HaKadosha, so to speak, would be deficient. When you come to Sefer, but Devarim, already in Chazal, we find a sense that Sefer Devarim is both part of Torah Shebechsav and it's also the birthplace and the intimations of Torah Shebaal Peh because it's the repetition and the echo of Moshe Rabbeinu conveying these teachings and reviewing them once again to the extent that it's the Shairish of Torah Shebaal Peh, which is why it's referred to as Mishnah Torah the Mishnah, the notion of doubling down and trying to reveal the secrets inherent with what we already went through. But nevertheless, Torah is about beginnings, Bereshis. It is contained in the original beginningness and that perpetual renewal of the self and the renewal of consciousness, like Rabbi Nachman teaches us so often. And like we learned about by Parshas HaChoydash, that is Chadshas and the perpetual renewal of the self. Torah Peh is already a question of endings. Peh, we said, is Me'emasai. It begins with from when. And we know that every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. There's no question of when, unless there was a time that had already come and gone. 
There was already a time, a beginning that was lost. It's the aspect of vayehi ha'ela, and it was after these things. Tarish Balpeh is born in a state of afterwardness, and we see this vayehi ha'ela, this being thrown into the sense that we're always already late. This time awareness, which we described as being constitutive of Tarish Balpeh. The Chassam Seifer says something very interesting. The Chassam Seifer, tells us that the first instantiation of Tarsh Balpeh, as hinted to and intimated in Tarsh Abhsav, was the Misa of Akedas Yitzchak. Because Avram Avinu had a command from Akadish Baruch Hu to bring his son as a korban. Yitzchak Avinu did not necessarily have a chiv to listen. Nevertheless, Yitzchak Avinu intuated the sense that there is going to be such a thing as the oral law, and it is my responsibility to respond to that. And the Chassam Soifer says that the first kiyum of Tarish Peh in the history of the Jewish people, or the origins or the source text of Tarish Peh, was Yitzchak Avinu's willingness to sacrifice himself. And that entire experience is born out of Vayehi Acharei Hadvarm Ha'ela. It's always after something that preceded it has ended. What has ended, I don't know. It's caught up in its own anonymity. It doesn't matter what has happened. The specificity of the event that has ended no longer makes too much of a difference. What makes the most difference is the sense that it's after the beginning has already ended. Me'emasai, from when? It's a question of endings as much as it is a question of origin. And we see over here that after Chazal, after the Mishnah tells us when to begin saying Kriyat Shema Ba'arvis, what the origin point or the birthplace of the capacity to uncover HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light is, the next encounter is with the endings, with the limits of things. Ad soifa ashmura harishona, the word sof and the word ad, both of them represent a limitation of things. Ad means you've come up to this point and no further. Now, yes, Chazal tell us about a machlokas of ad ve'ad bechlal or ad veloy ad bechlal. Does the word until here include the limit itself or does the word until here preclude and prevent us from incorporating the limit into our lives? But either way we look at it, the word ad implies a certain limitation. And sof also implies a limitation. It, it implies a lip. It implies a boundary of sorts. The instantiation of boundaries, the instantiation of limitation, the notion that I can't do everything forever, but there are certain times, there are confines of times, there are constraints that a person has to live with in this world. That this world in its limited manifestation has beginnings, middles, and endings. And I can't simply focus on the beginningness of all things, but I also have to recognize that there are limitations in my life. There are limits at which point I can no longer continue to do something. These boundaries, the bounded nature of time, the bounded nature of space, are not simply symptomatic of this world, but they're constitutive to the very function of this world. This world and all of its limitedness in the world of Tarish Balpeh is confined by time and space, Zman and Makom. And there is no concept of time or space without beginnings and endings. And just as the beginning represents the initial birthplace of enthusiasm, so too does the ending represent the limit at, at which a person can no longer move forward. And that's what we're encountering right now. We're encountering the first instantiation of limitation, the recognition that there are limits in our lives, that we can't continue everything with unbridled success, but we have to also confront the corners of our lives, the fact that things end and things fall apart and that the moment ends. Now, Rabbi Eliezer is the first Manda Amar in the Mishnah. 
Rabbi Eliezer ben Herkunus, or Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol, is the first Manda Amar, and he tells us that the limit point by which a person has to proclaim Kriyat Shema is at the end of the first Ashmura of the light, the first guard. As we're going to see, Chazal break the night up into three elements or four elements, indicative of significant differences, as we're going to see. But the night is broken up into three compartments. And in accordance with Rabbi Eliezer Shita, the limit point at which a person can proclaim the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in darkness is at the end of Ashmurah HaRishona. But before we get into this concept of what the Ashmuros represent, what we have to examine a little bit is the Manda Amr, the Tana, the Tana Eloikai, Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol, Rabbi Eliezer Ben Horkinus. Chazal, whenever they spoke, our tzaddikim tell us that they were not simply speaking in accordance with the limited reality of this worldly experience. They were not simply contemplating the halacha, but they were also contemplating the depths and the secrets of the supernal reality, that every statement from Atana and Anamora is in line not only with the practical manifestation of Torah Shabbat, but it's also representative of the deepest secrets associated with Panimiya Satora. And it's specifically Rabbi Eliezer who begins, who becomes the first Tana mentioned in Torah Shabbat. Because as we're going to see Rabbi Eliezer, there's an incredible introduction to the Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer, which are the statements of Rabbi Eliezer ben Herkunus, Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol, and the Hakdama is compiled by Rav David Luria Schusiyaganalenu, who was a grand Talmud of the Vilna Gaon. But he has a beautiful kuntris titled "V'Shem HaEchad Eliezer," and in this kuntris, what Rav David Luria goes through is explaining to us who Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol was. And what we find is that there's a stira, there's a real contradiction at play when it comes to understanding who this individual Rabbi Eliezer was. On the one hand, we find that Rabbi Eliezer was deeply associated with gevura, with severity. We find that Rabbi Eliezer was the manda amar. He was the posse ka'amiti. He was the final decision, specifically when it came to matters of para aduma. And when it comes to matters of para aduma, the question of tahara that emerges specifically out of tuma, or life that emerges specifically out of the shadow of death, or the capacity to reveal the whole specifically out of the distortion of the details, it was Rabbi Eliezer who becomes the main manda amar in the Mishnayos of para. And there's a statement in Chazal that says that Moshe Rabbeinu came up to Shemayim and he heard. Rabbi Eliezer darshaning on certain elements of Parshas Para, the halachos of Para Aduma, that tahara that emerges specifically from within the possibility of Tuma, that unity that emerges not in spite of the details, but specifically because of the descent into the details. And Moshe Rabbeinu Raya Mehemna hears Rabbi Eliezer claim a halacha, and he says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, halavai shi Halavai, it should be that this is an individual who comes from my lineage. Halavai, it would only be so wonderful that I have this individual, Rabbi Eliezer, as a grandchild, as a descendant. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds to him that you already do, V'shem HaEchad Eliezer. You have a child who's named Eliezer. So we see already, as the Radal points out, as Chazal point out, 
that Rabbi Eliezer is deeply connected with this tahara, with this emergence of purity, specifically from within a place of impurity. Of me yitain tahor mitame, of who could possibly offer us the secret of purity that emerges out of impurity? Loi echad, is it not the singular, is it not the infinite itself, is it not a Baruch Hu? And the Radal points out that because this space of para aduma, of the purity that emerges specifically out of concealment is so associated with gavura and the need to descend into particularization and into the territories of death in order to purify them and reveal how death itself offers the cure to death. Rabbi Eliezer being associated with Parsha's para is deeply associated with the sugya of Parsha's, of, of the Parsha and the secret of clarifying certainty and life out of doubt and death. And Rav David Luria continues, and he says that we find in Maseches Para, in the Mishnayos of Para, that Rabbi Eliezer has 21 opinions. Now, 21 opinions, the Radal tells us, and the Vilna Gon points it out as well, is the gematria of the Shem Eheke, Aleph K Yud K. Now, that name of Eheke, that name of Eheke Asher Eheke, I will be what I will be, is the name deeply associated with severity. It's a name associated with Bina, with difficulty, with Gavura, with severity. It's a name that looks towards an eventual future that is not yet present right now. It's a name that is willing to descend into darkness for the sake of revealing a light that will emerge afterwards. And so we see from the Radal, and the Arizal says this as well, that Rabbi Eliezer is associated with Gavura. Rabbi Eliezer is associated with severity. We find this elsewhere as well, that there is a perpetual machlokas in Chazal between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua. And the origin of this machlokas between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua is their teachers, Beishamai and Beishillel. Now we know from Chazal, we know from the Tzadikim, that all of reality is split up into two elements of chesed and gavura, of expression and constriction, of a flowing forth and a retreat backwards. These two polarized elements which operate in unison, referred to as chesed and gavura, are always present in everything. The expression is associated with the loving kindness and the watery flow of chesed, of loving kindness, that descends from above to below. And the severity of constriction and limitation and endings and measurements is associated with Gevura, which ascends from below to on high, and that's going to correspond to the machlokas of Beishamai and Beishillel. Beishillel is B'derachlal Mekil. Beishillel teaches us how to find the grace in Halacha. Beishillel teaches us how to be human. Basilal teaches us how to look at a kala and to say, kala no'evechasuda, that this world, kala, which is the osias of halacha, that this world is beautiful. And it's the job of an individual to elevate this world. That's the chesed of Hillel. But Beishamai, we're told, is the severity. Beishamai is much more strict. Beishamai is associated with din. It looks at halacha, it looks at hakala, and it doesn't say kala no'evechasuda, but it says kala kemoishahi. The world is what it is. Halacha is what it is. Reality is what it is. There's no need to whitewash it with the watery chesed of Hillel, but there's a need to purify it with the fiery flames of Gevura. Rabbi Eliezer is the Talmud of Beishamai, and Rabbi Yoshua is a Talmud of Beis Hillel, which is why, 
as we're going to see, the Rogachover says this, the Lubavitcher Rebbe points this out, the Maharal points this out, and Ravitzak Maya Morgenstern Shlita makes a big ASIC out of this, that the machlokas between Beishamai and Beishilel is ultimately the machlokas between Din and Chesed. Now on the level of Din, on the level of Beishamai, Beishamai holds the world to a certain standard. Beishamai sees the world as it should be and not as it is. Beis Hillel operates according to Chesed. He sees the world as it is and not necessarily as it should be. Din, the capacity to see strict judgment and precision in this world, is an idealized experience. The world should be a certain way, and this is the way that I expect the world to be. Ah, the world shows me that it's not that way. It doesn't matter. The ideal remains the ideal. And in the truest form, in accordance with the level of the law and its strictest function, Beishamai and the level of Din demands near perfection. It demands precision. It demands focus. Beishilal, on the other hand, says, in spite of the fact that the world is meant to be a certain way, nevertheless, the world is as it is. And it is our job to uncover the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu specifically in the way that the world is and not as it should be. And we find that this machlokas between Beishamai and Beishilel very often manifests itself in the fact that Beishamai follows the potential of reality and Beishilel follows the actualization of reality. That when it comes to a machlokas about somebody who had a thought to do something, whether that thought impinges on reality. According to Beishamai, the thought has an actual effect on reality, while according to Beishilel, the thought doesn't have an effect on reality, only action has an effect on reality. Because from the perspective of severe judgment and strict severity, and that world of Beishamai, we have to take into consideration every element of experience, even the thoughts of an individual. But according to the world of Beishilel, we have to make certain movements to allow people to be more make with themselves. And we're not going to focus on the thoughts, but we're only going to focus on the actions. This is what the tzaddikim describe when the Medrash says that It arose within the thought of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to create the world in Din. But B'maysa, when it came to the actualization of the world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu connected the Midah of Rachamim, of compassion, the awareness that Din is not going to allow the world to operate. And he said, let's look at the world in accordance with actualization. So Allah bin Machshava Livrosasaulambadin, it arose in thought in the place of Beishamai, in the place of Gavura, in the place of Rabbi Eliezer to create the world with strict judgment. Those who follow the letter of the law and the strict judgment of Beishamai, they go in accordance with the Machshava, they go in accordance with the way things are supposed to be. But in the end, in the result, there was a hishtatfus, there was a connection of chesed and rachamim to din, that in the end, in accordance with Beis Hillel, we follow the actualization, the, the real reality. And Rav Yosef Engel and different tzaddikim point out that this same reality between Beishamai and Beis Hillel applies with regards to Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua as well. That Rabbi Eliezer looks at the world as it should be. Rabbi Eliezer says that if somebody had a machshava to drink water that was needed for a korban, then that water is pussel. Ah, he never drank it. 
there should be no reason to outlaw this water. Nevertheless, for Rabbi Eliezer, the strict judgment of thought on that level of Shammai's vision of the idealism of the world, even a thought is, is, is problematic. But according to Beis Hillel, it's not a problem until you actually drink the water because Beis Hillel, that chesed that allows human beings to operate not in the strict judgment of their minds, but rather in accordance with their actualization. So Beis Hillel demands an actual action. There's an incredible, incredible teaching from the Bnei Yisachar. The Bnei Yisachar says that the name Rabbi Eliezer and the name Rabbi Yehoshua both represent ways of being saved, ways of experiencing salvation. Ezra being helped out, which is rooted in the word Eliezer, is when a person does not ask for help, they need help, they don't ask for help, but somebody comes along, recognizes their need for help, and offers them help. So there was no action in demanding help, it was only the experience of thinking about help. Yeshua, however, which is associated with the name Rabbi Yeshua, is when a person cries out for help. And as a result of crying out for help, I'm helped. So we see that the name Rabbi Eliezer is associated with machshava kaduma, with the original thought, with the strict judgment of how things should be. And Rabbi Yoshua is associated with the reality of how things actually are. Rabbi Eliezer, Ezra represents being helped simply as a result of my thinking, at that level of din, at that level of beishamai, at that level of idealism. Rabbi Yoshua represents the ability to be helped because I've asked for help, living in that world of actual reality, which is the world of Hillel. And we're told that Lavo, the halacha is going to be like Beishamai. Levayakeh Moshe brings it down, other tzaddikim bring it down, that nowadays, in a world that is no longer in accordance with its idealized form, HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows us to live a world in accordance with Hillel. To sing out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Hallel, of what it means to live in a world of, of Malchus, associated with the name of Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, which is the lowest level of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's revelation, which is the same gematria as Hillel, which is why Hillel could say, Imanikan HaKolkan, all that matters is where I'm at. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows the world to operate in accordance with that free-flowing spirit of Beis Hillel. But in the future, when the world is rectified and it's revealed that in truth, severity contains a secret of spirituality that is inaccessible when a person is engaged with the ever-flowing waters of chesed, we're going to find that the gvuros ascend, that we're going to understand what it meant to find HaKadosh Baruch in the darkness. And at that moment, it's going to be halacha kashamai. So when it comes to Rabbi Eliezer, we see already that Rabbi Eliezer is in touch with the idealism of gvura which is why Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer, the first teaching in Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer in Parak Gimel, after introducing the story of Rabbi Eliezer ben, Her ben Herkinus, is a, is, the, is a drasha on the Pasuk of that who is capable of singing out the praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Somebody who is aware of the gvuros of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Somebody who is aware of the deep, undying limitation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu infuses into the world. Only a person who engages with the gvuros Hashem, as Rav Menachem points out in Mayim Adirim that this is the central point of all Panimiya Satora, the secret of how can I learn to look at Gevuros and uncover unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? That is the essence and that is what Rabbi Eliezer is coming to show us. That is the aspect of Rabbi Eliezer being associated with Din, which would make sense because Rabbi Eliezer is the first statement in Chazal who teaches us about a limitation 
who teaches us the fact that it's not enough to have a desire to uncover HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light in this world, but a person has to be able to be Moser Nefesh to uncover HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light in this world. It's not enough to believe in Mishasha Koanim Nechlechsim Lechol Betrimasam of mindfulness and awareness. I need to recognize that to find you in this world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it demands precision. It demands intensity. It demands a focus, a razor sharp focus. But on the other hand, there's a steer at play. The Arizal, the Gra, the Megala Mukos, all of the tzaddikim also tell us that Rabbi Eliezer comes from the Shem Kale, Aleph Lamed, which represents chesed, which represents undying kindness. We also find explicit in the Zohar Kadosh that Rabbi Eliezer was a Gilgal who was a, a manifestation of Ruven ben Yaakov. Ruven ben Yaakov is the aspect of vision. Ruven ben Yaakov is the aspect of a capacity to see everything as good. And so we have a stira. On the one hand, Rabbi Eliezer, the first mandamer in Chazal, represents strict judgment and limitation. On the other hand, Rabbi Eliezer represents loving kindness. And the secret, I believe, is as follows. That what Rabbi Eliezer is teaching us as the first mandamer in Chazal is that while limitations are necessary, while there's an absolute need for a person to live within the boundaries of Gevura in this world, while there is a need to say, ah, you want to create Kriyat Shema, you want to create a, a scenario where you can uncover the light of godliness even within the darkness, you have to understand the secret of limitation. You have to understand that it takes work. It takes self-sacrifice. It takes Gevura. It takes instantiation of limitation. But a person can, God forbid, come to think that limitations are there as negation, that a limit that one sets for themselves in, li in life is meant to prevent oneself from partaking of this worldliness, or that, God forbid, preventions and limitations and measurements are representative of some real darkness in the world. What we learn from the fact that Rabbi Eliezer also represents chesed is that every instantiation of limitation, every expression of gevura is only there to reveal the ultimate fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants nothing more than to reveal his chesed to us. All HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to do is create vessels to receive his chesed. That the entirety of Torah Shebechsav, the entirety of Torah Shebechsav, is the secret of how to make life easier for ourselves, how to find the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives, how to believe a little bit more in ourselves, how to take life a little bit less seriously and find joy in life and find comfort in life. And even though the need to set limits and boundaries for oneself in reality is absolute, you can't go beyond this. If you want to proclaim God's unity in darkness, there are rules and regulations to it. Nevertheless, those rules and regulations are there, not in spite of the chesed and the loving kindness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but rather to enforce and reinforce and propagate and express and intensify the truest kindness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is all HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to do is reveal good in this world. All HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to do is to teach us how to make life a little bit more unified for ourselves. This is the depth of the Torah. The depth of the Torah is Baruch Sha'amr Vahaya Ha'olam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke and the world came into being. Blessed is he who brought this world into being. 
ah, the world is not in accordance with the dog of Beishamai, the world is not in accordance with the dog of Rabbi Eliezer. Nevertheless, Baruch Sha'amr Vahayah All the Kaddish Baruch wants to do is reveal good in this world. That was the darga of Ruvain ben Yaakov. Ruvain ben Yaakov is the capacity to see the good in the world, to re'iyah, the re'iyah de Kedusha. The fact that, yes, Torah Peh is a broken down palace, which is associated with the Midah of Tashma, with the Midah of Bina, of severity, of coming to hear distinction. But nestled deep into the secret of Bina is the light of Chachma, is the light of Re'iyah. That Rabbi Eliezer, the first Manda Amr in Shas, which represents a world of distortion and Bina and hearing of Tashma, is associated with Reuven ben Yaakov, which is the Koyach of Re'iyah, which is the Koyach of vision, to see good. And we see in, in, in Avos, in Perak Bey's Mishnah Tess, that when describing all of the Tamidim of Rav Yochanan ben Zakkai, we see that each and every one of them described the essential trait to have in this world. And Rabbi Eliezer ben Herkinus said that it's an ayin toiva, the ability to see good in the world. That is the Mida HaKalala Sasakol, the Maharal, the Kamarna Rebbe points out that this Mida of seeing good in the world is the Mida that allows me to judge every scenario favorably. And it's not coincidental that Rabbi Eliezer is the one who says, judge everything favorably, but at the same point, set limitations for yourself. Because by setting limitations for ourselves, by creating boundaries of Gevura, we give shape to the chesed. We allow the chesed to manifest itself in a stronger way. We allow the chesed to take form and to become real in this world. And so, yes, there are limitations, but nevertheless, those limitations are only there to provide new opportunities at every moment for an ayin toiva, to see good, to only see good, to believe in a machshava toiva, to judge things favorably, to judge scenarios favorably. But that midah of Rabbi Yazer, that midah of abor soid she'ena ma'aved tit, that, that it's, it's an impenetrable well, it holds everything together. It's a rectification of Ru'uvein, who was Pachas Kamayim, who spread forth like water, without limitation. It was a goodness, but it was a goodness that knew no bounds. Rabbi Eliezer comes to fix this and provide a goodness that emerges specifically from within its bounded reality. And this leads us to try and understand a little bit about Rabbi Eliezer Shita. So Rabbi Eliezer comes along and he says, you want to know how to proclaim the, the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world, specifically in a world that is compared to nighttime in a world of concealment? You have to bear in mind the limits. Ad soifa ashmura Chazal tell us that from here we learn that the nighttime is broken up into three watches. That the nighttime which represents concealment, which represents gullus, which represents difficulty, very often it's too easy to see darkness or to see negativity as a standalone unified manifestation of concealment. And when concealment and darkness appear to be so big and so unified, it seems impenetrable. When darkness seems to be one massive slab of darkness, there's no way in, there's no way out, there's no way up, there's no way down. It's too big for me. It's a mountain that's too big for me to climb. Zakta Tzadikim, that one of the key ways of sweetening judgment, of finding openings of light, specifically within darkness, 
is by compartmentalizing darkness into bite-sized manageable pieces. The Vilna Gon brings a, a medrash down, which is not found anywhere, I believe, but the Vilna Gon. But it's a medrash that there was once a king whose son did something that made him chayv misa through skila. This person deserved to lose his life as a result of stoning. And so the king found himself in a quandary. On the one hand, he needed to kill his son and carry out the punishment because otherwise the law would be ridiculed and mocked. On the other hand, there was no possible way that he could carry out the punishment against his son because it was his son who he loved so dearly. And so there was a chacham who came along and said as follows, the law is that we have to throw stones at your son. But what about if we broke those stones into tiny pebbles and instead of throwing the massive stone at once, we threw the small pebbles one after the other. So you'll be makayim, the chi of the necessity of throwing those stones, but it won't kill him because you'll have accomplished it by way of minimizing it. This is a way of hamtaka sadinim. If a person wants to sweeten severity, if a person wants to break open severity and open up possibilities of light, the way to do it is to break it down is to make it into manageable bite-sized pieces. If a person wakes up in the morning with a generalized anxiety about the day, every possibility that can go wrong coalesces into a monstrosity of sorts that appears unpenetrable. All the infinite things I'm worried about have morphed into one enormous glob of anxiety. And when a person sees a fear like that, then obviously I have to surrender. There's no way for me to handle it. But if we come to recognize that in truth, this massive glob of fear or anxiety or overwhelmingness is simply the composition of many different smaller pockets of difficulty, and I can minimize it and look at it, each one in its isolation, it becomes a lot less frightening. It becomes a lot less overwhelming. Mavir rishon rishon, mavir achron achron. I could deal with the first one first and I could deal with the last one last. It's only when I'm able to separate that massive slab of concealment of nighttime into three different parts that nighttime becomes manageable. The Leshem, the Arizal, the Tzadikim point out that this is what we do by Maror. Maror is the gematria of Misa. It's the gematria of death, which is associated with nighttime. It's the concealment of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's unity, specifically in the depths of night. And in order to be Yotze, the mitzvah of Maror, it's not enough to swallow maror. A person has to chew the maror. And typically we assume that we have to taste the severity and that's true also. But what it also means, the Leshem tells us, is that by chewing it, you break it down into bite-sized manageable pieces. You break it down into irreducible sparks of pirurim and they're no longer as difficult when they're broken down into irreducible pieces. That if I find myself in dire straits and I find myself confronted by the overwhelming bleakness of nighttime, the Eitzah is break it into three Mishmaros or four Mishmaros. Whether it's three, which is the worlds of separation of Bri, Yitzir, and Asiya, or if it's four, which is Bri, Yitzir, and Asiya in association with Atsilus, depending on how a person wants to learn the Gemara. Nevertheless, the Eitzah over here is to break it up into bite-sized manageable pieces. And Rabbi Eliezer comes along and he describes that there are three Simanim. There are three Simanim for these three parts of the night the first part of the night, which is the least intense of the night. According to Rav Tzadak HaKohen Meleblin and Sidka Satzadik, it's even before people have gone to sleep. On a certain level, it's a way of sublimating the nighttime experience. It's experiencing nighttime even without nighttime. 
It's proclaiming HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity in the darkness, even prior to the darkness emerging. The second, the first Mishmar is associated with Chamor Naor, a donkey naze. Donkey is associated with a klipa of chesed. It's associated with the hither side of loving kindness. The chamor, amhadayman la chamor, that which is ever expressive, that which knows no bounds whatsoever. That's that point at nighttime. That's the first mishmar. The second mishmar is associated with kalavim soakim, dogs are barking, death has emerged into town, or elioanavi has emerged into town. And the third mishmar has two simanim. It's either a tinok yonik imo, a child is nursing, or isha misaparasimbala. Now, Rav Tzado, our husband speaking to a wife. Now, Rav Tzado and all of the tzaddikim tell us that these three chalakim of nighttime also correspond to three chalakim of galus. The first base of Mikdash, the second base of Mikdash, and the third base of Mikdash. Again, dividing galus into bite-sized manageable pieces. And the simon mufak of the last element of golus is very simply a husband talking to a wife, a friend talking to a friend. Sometimes that's all we have. Sometimes that's how we find the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu at the end of history. But what Rabbi Eliezer wants us to do by limiting the capacity to proclaim the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the first mishmar is Rabbi Eliezer wants us to be mamtik the dinim in their source. Rabbi Eliezer wants to stop the nighttime immediately. Proclaim Kriyat Shema immediately. Don't wait. Don't tarry. Force yourself. You see the incoming darkness. You're aware that darkness is about to emerge. Uncover the burgeoning light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, specifically at the outset, when night descends. Prior to this real distinction between nighttime and daytime, at the first moment possible, rush with alacrity, with zrizas, push yourself with intensity to set a limit to the darkness. Prevent the darkness from moving anywhere forward and proclaim the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Like Beisham, my Rabbi Eliezer doesn't want us to fall prey to the mirage of darkness. Don't play darkness's game. Don't even enter into it. At the first instantiation or the notion or the intimation of limitation or darkness in one's life, proclaim Kriyat Shema. At the outset, say, Hashem, you're with me here as well. I know I'm going into a dark territory in my life. I know I'm at the ready to encounter a mania or a prevention. Don't wait till the middle or the end. Proclaim faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that moment, Hashem, you're with me. No matter what happens afterwards, you're with me. And so while it demands a severity to grab hold of the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu immediately at the emergence of nighttime, nevertheless, it offers itself up to a deep, profound chesed, the ability to be mamtik dinim in their source, which is the recognition that, yes, I know darkness is coming. I know the darkness is incoming, but that doesn't prevent me from proclaiming Kriyat Shema immediately. Ad soifa ashmura harishona divrei Rebbe Eliezer. I don't have to wait. I don't have to tarry. I have the ability to reveal the quality of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity. I don't need to wait for darkness to get worse. Because once I proclaim my unity and the, the undying unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu within the limitation, within that instantiation at the moment that darkness emerges, so as the darkness continues into the second Mishmar and the third Mishmar, it's not as difficult. It's not as intense. So Rabbi Eliezer represents this capacity on the one hand to force ourselves into severity, 
to force ourselves into that intense place of setting limits for ourselves. But in truth, that setting of the limit offers us the greatest potential of revealing the undying and un undulating light of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. At a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you're here at the beginning of darkness, in the middle of darkness, at the end of darkness. But if I could reveal it to myself at the beginning of darkness, if as I'm descending away, where Yaakov Avinu is descending into darkness, the first thing he does is start davening Arvis. The first thing he does is proclaim the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu at night. It's before the Misa with Esav. It's before descending into the heart of darkness. Because when we proclaim our unity in HaKadosh Baruch Hu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity with us at the very outset, then everything that comes afterwards is just a little bit sweeter. Only a Rabbi Eliezer, only someone with such severity can experience the secret of the Tanor of Achanai. That it's Rabbi Eliezer who goes against everybody. Every Manda Amar, everybody in Chazal, every Tana who wanted to proclaim that the Tanor Shal Achanai is Metame, that it provides impurity. Rabbi Eliezer proclaimed that it provides Tahara. And even though Shemayim came along and said, Rabbi Eliezer, you're right, you're correct. Nevertheless, Chazal proclaimed that Loba Shemayim he, but Rabbi Eliezer was the one who was demanding that Alpi Seichel HaShemayim, in accordance with the strict letter of the law, it's Tahor. It's Tahor. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care if I'm capable of proclaiming the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu right now. I'm going to do it anyway. That willingness to sacrifice the self for the need to recognize the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that moment is the Koyach of Rabbi Eliezer. It's the Koyach of the son of Moshe Rabbeinu, of Benosha Moshe, who has the capacity of uncovering the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity in this world. It's the secret of Brismila, which Rabbi Eliezer and the parak of Rabbi Eliezer were told about all of the halachos of Brismila. We know that Rabbi Eliezer was the one who was Moser Nefesh to allow them to give a brismila on Shabbos itself. Because the secret of brismila is the ability to reveal the good from within the difficulty. At the very beginning, not to wait for it to be easy, but to do it immediately. To reveal how hidden within an act of gavura, an act of cutting away, is also an act of revelation. And so when we encounter this first instantiation of limit in our lives, of gavura, of Adsofa Ashmurah Rishona Divrei Rabbi Eliezer, what we have to be aware of is the fact that ultimately Rabbi Eliezer is teaching us the deepest secret that the limitation itself is what gives birth to the framing of the chesed. That it's only by saying no to what comes most naturally do I give myself the ability to uncover that which exists beyond me. And Be'ezra Sashem, as we continue, what we're going to see next week is the shita of the chachamim, which become a little bit more mekil a little bit more makil from that chumrah of Rabbi Eliezer, which comes from the language of chamor, which is also the simon of the Ashmurah HaRishona. And we're going to learn what the Chachamim were trying to teach us. And we're going to learn what Rabban Gamliel is trying to teach us. And the inherent frailty of human experience, which inherent within the first Mishnah, are the children of Rabban Gamliel who come back and say, we messed up, we forgot to pronounce HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity at night, we got drunk, we got intoxicated on this worldliness, we were at a party, we lost our way. And Rabbi Gamliel is going to reveal that the deepest chasadim of Gamlikel, that you also have Shaykh Hastakadish Baruch. And we're going to see how each Manda Amar offers us a little bit more hope in what it means to be an individual trying to uncover the light of a Kaddish Baruch in this world, Bezra Sashem.
This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Oh,